Something's come to rock me and I can't keep my head I get nervous in this New York City streets Where my legacy treads I know I'm better off standing in the shadows Far from humans with guns It's too late, there's no escape from what they have done I'm going deeper underground There's too much panic in this town I'm going deeper underground Yeah, what's that? What's that transition? What were we watching? What were we thinking? All right. What were we watching? What were we thinking? What were we watching? It's not a tumor. What were we thinking? Oh, but this is a cool podcast, guys. What were we watching? What were we watching? The Dallas, the Dallas now. Hey, this is Eric Ambler. And this is Cam Seamer, and you're listening to What Were We Watching? The podcast where we take a look back at the pop culture of our youth, analyze its appeal to us as kids and as adults. It's not about good or bad, it's about then and now. And it's all in order to answer the question What were we watching? I said that I wasn't going to be an ass, and then I did that. <laughs> There'll be no shelter here, folks. <laughs> Not in episode 146, Godzilla. Hey, yo. From 1998, that is. And Cam, let me tell you, there are a lot of things in life that are meaningless. <laughs> but if there's one thing I know, it's that size does matter <laughs> holy shit Whoa. and to acknowledge this fact we've brought one of our largest guests <laughs> <laughs> he Technically is true yeah he's 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 the composer of our theme music and an all-around spectacular man darren sprawls thank you <laughs> <laughs> i am tall just like Godzilla. <laughs> that's the only reason you're on this one. Yeah, that's, that's the reason why. But we're actually really thrilled to have you back. It's been a long time since you were here. Yeah, um, thanks for having me back, guys. Um, I uh, have a lot to say about this movie. It meant a lot to me as a child. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it with you guys today. I feel like we're going to have a special kismet here. Yeah. This is something that also means a lot to me. So, yes, Sorry, folks. We're warning you right now. <laughs> I think this is going to be more positive than people are expecting. This is definitely going to be a love fest. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll try to balance that out. Yeah, please do. Somebody needs to. Somebody needs to check us. <laughs> but fun fact, yeah. this is our most requested episode. Yes. What? Really? Yeah. So wow. at, at least in terms of people who wanted to guest on this one... Um, but Darren, you wanted it so long ago, yes. and uh, it's been so long since you've been on. I think it's been like a year and a half. Was Independence Day? No, it was Kindergarten uh, Cop. Scream was his. Oh, last Scream! I, I'm just yeah, naming like, all his appearances, which you can I find thought Kindergarten on our Cop was after after Scream. Scream was shortly before. Scream was like or no, Kindergarten Cop was back to school, and so Scream was like Halloween. So oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. Wow. But you have you do have Roland Emmerich experience on our oh, yes. Independence Day <sighs> episode, and um, yeah, let me just um, lay out my cards <laughs> here. This this whole movie just 
had me hard for Emmerich the whole time. <laughs> but also, um, great soundtrack experience with Space Jam, your first appearance. Yes, that's right. And um, I have a very deep affection for the Godzilla soundtrack, um, which I look forward to me talking too. about. <laughs> it's going to be a major component, I feel, of this oh, yeah. discussion. But before we get into any of that, let's talk about the first time that we saw this movie, uh, which was released on May the 20th. 1998. Darren, do you remember the first time that you saw Roland Emmerich's Godzilla? Um, so I do not, uh, in part because the movie theater in my hometown was shut down at this time. So we would have had to have gone out of town uh, to see a movie. And this movie was definitely too scary for my younger siblings. So this is definitely not a movie that we would have seen in theaters. So this is definitely a VHS watch at home. Um, a VHS that was played over and over again after that first viewing. <laughs> Cam, what about you? I saw this in theaters, and I think that's the only time I've ever seen this movie. I don't understand you. <laughs> <laughs> you think you know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, re- I remember very vividly the first time I saw it. Um, I saw it with a friend of mine, and it was kind of like, I think it was probably the first fun thing I did after school let out that year okay because i saw it with this friend and then we hung out and like had a sleepover at his house that night and uh it just felt like summer was here and that's kind of what this godzilla movie signifies for me it's just like this experience i don't even remember the movie very well but like this experience of like man like the summer is entirely ahead of us and there's so many possibilities. I, I get that feeling, too. Yeah, when you were that age. First big movie of the summer. Yeah. Summer's rising from the depths like a giant mutated iguana. Yeah. <laughs> we're ready for it. We're ready for it to stomp all over us. <laughs> I probably saw this for the first time on video sometime in the early 2000s. For as much as I have loved and defended and apologized for this movie... <laughs> I was not on board immediately. Like I, I just I remember it coming out, but I don't think I saw it for several years after the fact. But once I did, oh boy, the floodgates were open. <laughs> but I do remember the advertising like very well, especially you mentioned it at the top of the show. The size does matter. Yep. I remember that trailer very vividly. His foot is as big as this bus, you know. <laughs> they would actually put that on billboard or like his tail is the size of this building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And um, the Taco Bell uh, <laughs> Chihuahua. Oh, yeah. Um, there were some tie-ins there, too. All Here, lizard, lizard, <laughs> That is uh, iconic 90s advertising. But before we talk about all of the ancillaries, let's first remind people what happens in this over two-hour movie. <laughs> That's always a surprise when I watch it again. <laughs> Cam, could you hook us up with a little Godzilla recap? So we open with some credits over stock footage of nuclear tests and island lizards being exposed to the fallout. Uh, We jump forward to present day. A Japanese fishing boat is attacked by a giant creature, which one traumatized survivor describes as Gojira. We meet Nick Totopoulos. Am I saying that right? <laughs> it's <A> so- Totopoulos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
a scientist studying the effect of radiation on worms in Chernobyl, when he's recruited by the U.S. military to study the trail left behind by this creature, deducing that it must be a result of nuclear testing. The creature appears in New York City, destroys some things, Nick gets a blood sample and deduces that the, mo- the monster is- has come to nest in the city. He runs into his ex-girlfriend, <laughs> an aspiring reporter who steals a tape uh, regarding the creature's origins to sell it as a story, but a rival reporter passes it off as his own and nicknames the monster Godzilla. The military tries to take down Godzilla. There's lots of destruction, explosions. Nick is fired for losing the tape and is picked up by the French Secret Service and helps track helps them track down Godzilla's nest of eggs inside Madison Square Garden. They hatch, forcing the heroes to run away from the group of Godzilla babies before they're all destroyed by a military airstrike. Godzilla resurfaces, and after seeing the dead bodies of its young, angrily pursues the heroes until it gets trapped in the Brooklyn Bridge, where the military successfully shoots it down. The city celebrates... Nick gets back with his ex-girlfriend, and we end with one last surviving egg as a Godzilla baby hatches. Can't wait for the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Cam. That was that was can, nice. Can we uh, can we go down the cast um, here here too? Because the the cast is phenomenal '90s um, uh, casting. Matthew Broderick in the lead role as Nick <laughs> Doctor Nick Totopoulos. Nico. Nico Nick Totopoulos. Jean Reno as the head of the French Secret Service. Philippe Hank Azaria as Victor, <laughs> quote unquote, Animal Pilati. Is that is is, is that the yeah, correct pronunciation? That, that's how I would pronounce it. <laughs> He's a um, a videographer for um, this news cameraman, yeah. uh, a cameraman for um, this uh, news organization that Nick's ex girlfriend. I don't remember her name in this in this that's list here. Audrey. Audrey. There you go. Played by Maria Patillo. Patillo, nice. Um, and uh, is that the only Simpsons voice actor <laughs> in this movie? No, mm. uh, because Audrey's uh, boss slash enemy at the news organization is played by Harry Shearer <laughs> as uh, that's like, that's Charles like, Kamen. That's like half the population of Springfield right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Harry Shearer does a great job. Uh, also on this uh, uh, amazing cast list, Kevin Dunn as yes. like the military oh. um, dumbass boss, <laughs> Colonel Hicks. There you go, Colonel Hicks. He's not the dumbass though. That's the other guy, Sergeant O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a joke. Yeah. <laughs> How is he the like one in charge of all this? He's like, okay, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, who, who plays Sergeant O'Neill? Doug Savant. Doug Savant. <laughs> What a fantastic name. <laughs> uh, and while we're talking 90s sitcoms, Vicki Lewis from News mm-hmm, Radio. Mm-hmm. Who else? The, the, Michael, oh, Michael Lerner. There you go. Michael Lerner as Mayor Ebert. Perfectly <laughs> uh, reasonable name for a character <laughs> in, a, in a film. Not calling out anybody no, in particular. There's just nothing behind that. Mayor Ebert. Give them some glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Have them give the thumb, thumbs up all the time. <laughs> There's more, but I, I was just uh, in revisiting this. I was really blown away by yeah. how uh, how 
robust the cast was. How many of those people did you know when you were a kid? Like, were any none. Recognized none. <laughs> I knew Isn't Matthew. That... I knew Matthew Broderick and maybe Jean Reno, yeah. just in like a in a hey, Mission he's Impossible way. There you go. A Mission Impossible way, which is the best <laughs> way to know Matthew. Yeah, I didn't know as a kid. I didn't know Hank Azaria was um, was. A Simpsons voice actor, nor did I know about Harry Shearer. Yeah, no, I I knew Matthew. I recognized Matthew Broderick. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that was an interesting peek behind the curtain for me as a kid to see. Oh, because this was almost like this is probably Hank Azaria's biggest, you know, role to 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 that point. Mm-hmm. I guess he was in stuff. He's like in the Birdcage and a couple other movies before this. But this was a big blockbuster. Huge, yeah. huge, huge international exposure. Um, which makes me think, you know, mostly I, this was a triumph of marketing. Like I, <laughs> you, you already alluded to it, Darren, but like what I remember, like not having seen the movie in theaters was just the huge advertising blitz for this film. Size does matter. Sure does. As an 11 year old boy that really just <laughs> sunk in, sunk into my psyche. Size does matter. I think I need a bigger box. <laughs> This is very healthy message. Is that more Taco Bell reference? There? <laughs> That's the punchline yeah. to the Here Lizard Lizard commercial. So Taco Bell was also had the tie-ins for this movie. It had all the toys and it had an awesome uh, cup holder of like, so like God like Godzilla would cradle your <laughs> beverage. Um, it's cold blooded. It yeah. Keeps you cold, you know? <laughs> but everything. I, I also remember, like, they never gave you a glimpse of the creature. Like, mm-hmm. it was very, very calculated to not show you anything. Hmm. I have here in my hands a copy of the novelization of Godzilla, written by Stephen Molstad, from the script by Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich. And even in, like, the center portion with all the photos of the movie, which is where you would always go first at the Scholastic Book Fair when you picked up a movie <laughs> novelization... There's like it's laughable. There, I don't know if you guys can see this, but there's like no pictures of what Godzilla actually looks like. They're very careful, like not to show anything. <laughs> you mean they're still working so, on the effects? I know, right? <laughs> well, I actually there's read CGI feet here. The Wikipedia page is actually pretty interesting for Godzilla 1998, yeah. um, because they mention in there that Emmerich and uh, Devlin like made a deal with the studio that they would not reveal the monster in any of the pre-release advertising. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're that, very adamant about that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy to think that a studio would say yes to that. <laughs> <laughs> but this is Roland Emmerich people coming off of Independence Day. Yeah. It, I feel that's so important to remember if, you, if you've never seen this movie. This was like a guy who just delivered one of the biggest hits ever. And it's just being given carte blanche. Totally. <laughs> On a project that they just kind of had lying around, too. Mm-hmm. It was it's very... The, the whole production history of this movie is fascinating. Agree. But you know what else is fascinating? That June 1998 issue of Disney Adventures, which profiled <laughs> Godzilla 1998. Whoa. That's which, some good research right which, there. <laughs> well, I'm, well, I bring this up because uh, aside from the TV commercials and ads, like that was my way into the movie and mm. not having actually seen it and i knew facts about it before like years before i had seen it um there was a lot of could you could you real quick explain for the audience what disney adventures yes. is disney adventures is a magazine that we've definitely mentioned before on this podcast darren's looking at the cover right now <laughs> even there it's just a cartoon godzilla they won't yeah, yeah. show the actual yeah, yeah godzilla. it's like a cg like 
crappy. It says <laughs> it says on the cover sneak peek Godzilla rules, and then it has this like very crappy like <laughs> toy. It looks like a Toy Story yes, Godzilla. It does the, the love child of Rex and Godzilla? <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, which, I remember that. But as oh, we've, but yeah. what's next for Leonardo? Also, <laughs> I believe it was the Man in the Iron Mask. <laughs> um, so. Yes, Disney Adventures, as we've mentioned before on this podcast, is basically a hype machine, just like oh, yeah. getting you really excited about the <laughs> It's new... largely responsible for so many things in my life, yeah. I feel like. I, I saw it um, every week in the grocery store. It was always there in the um, checkout aisle uh, on the stands, um, you know, while all the like U.S. Weekly and People magazines were calling for my mother, <laughs> the Disney Adventures magazine was there it's a little daring. to catch my eye, yeah. <laughs> I do so. I like to this day. I remember certain things, like how they did the CGI pile of fish when they're luring Godzilla out to you know the army wants to take him down. So they get dump trucks full of fish, and like how the CGI people had to like just take bites, quote unquote, bites out of the fish as Godzilla was eating them. Hmm. Um, and also that uh, one of the first scenes where Godzilla comes into New York after he's destroyed the fish market when his foot you know falls and all the cars jostle and jump they put hydraulics under every single one of those cars and just like you know hit a button and boop they all like pop in the air at the same time which you you knew that before watching the movie. i knew this years before watching the movie and i remembered it that's the crazier thing darren uh and um yeah those are the those are the two things i definitely remembered and um I don't know. So I think in some way it planted the seed in my mind of, you know, file this away. This movie is a spectacle. Get ready for whenever you're going to see it. And and I don't even think I knew what the creature looked like until this is in the days before Google image search. I just like look up what Godzilla looked like in the movie. So it remained a mystery for like three years. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I, I actually can't remember when it was exactly that we watched it. I just know that once it was introduced to my family, it was like a recurring feature. It was watched a lot. <laughs> and uh, I'm not even sure why. And I, I remember, um, I don't know if we want to get into the soundtrack right now, but let's, the soundtrack let's, let's was... Let's get the soundtrack. The soundtrack was just as like um, important to me as the movie itself. Yes. <laughs> Um, and my dad was like also a proponent of the soundtrack because it had this, you know, it had like a Bowie cover on it and it had music that, uh, appealed to him in, in some ways. Sampling Led Zeppelin. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Do we need to, we need to talk about come with me now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. If you have memories, because, go just jump in. Well, um, but, uh, so you said that you didn't see it until three years later. Right. But um, you were aware of the song, absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's that's also what my real entree to Godzilla is is mm-hmm. the soundtrack, and I think that's eventually why I wanted to see the movie was because I loved the soundtrack so much. Yeah, man, uh, come with me. That was definitely a connection point for my father, who was a big Led Zeppelin fan, mm-hmm. and me, who could have cared less about puff daddy um (laughs) but you know it's like a new movie there's a music video puff daddy's really excited he's rapping over this led zeppelin uh beat it was a real opportunity for my dad and i to connect um i didn't i didn't care but (laughs) 
I was just kind of interested. Yeah, the the song was it had this anger to it. Um, it is, uh, yeah, it is just kind of vintage. So the important thing to remember is that Puff Daddy very famously has ghostwriters. Like that's, I think that's one of the biggest or what biggest worst kept secrets in hip hop is like Diddy doesn't write any of his own shit, and this is what they came up with. <laughs> that was a number one. Um, I also, in my research, found that Tom Morello yeah. did the guitar on this track. Yes. He played the Jimmy Page parts. <laughs> Wait a minute. But the music video told me it was Feet Jimmy Page. Mm, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Tom Morello. Okay. <laughs> Too bad Tom Morello didn't get put on the big uh, jumbotrons in Times Square in the video. <laughs> Um, did, have you seen the video in recent times? uh so i i uh did not go back and oh, revisit man. it okay uh it definitely revisiting it brought the memories flooding back um especially the part where diddy explodes into a flock of doves <laughs> during the part where the slow part was i close my eyes <laughs> excuse me he's not diddy yet he's puff daddy he's right. still puff daddy right <laughs> point of order i don't care what revisionist <laughs> history tells me <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to save time by saying duty. <laughs> I understand. Uh, yeah. So, so those are the those are the first two tracks, and those were big, big singles. Uh, yeah, the and the Wallflowers Heroes um, was my favorite track of the album. Immediately, it's the opening track um, of the soundtrack, and I immediately was like so fascinated with this song. It wasn't until years later that I realized that it was a cover of a David Bowie song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then once yeah. I heard that David Bowie version, I was like, my life is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I have pretty much the same exact experience. Yeah. This, that was my way in. Didn't realize the Bowie version until later. And man. And the Bowie version is like one of my favorite songs of all time now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, it slaps. <laughs> it whips, it slaps. <laughs> and it uh makes julian price um, <laughs> but <laughs> i think i initially heard that song and i liked it but i thought oh here's just a generic movie song because it's a it's a song called heroes it's about being heroes <laughs> it's a it's a really weird way of literalizing that mm-hmm. those that message uh my favorite track was deeper underground the jamiroquai song as listeners may know, long-time listeners may know, I'm a big Jamiroquai stan. <laughs> and that song is probably responsible for me getting into the movie Godzilla in the first place. Because then from there I discovered the rest of the soundtrack and discovered the movie. So you were a Jamiroquai fan yeah. prior to... Prior to, like, probably right around the time that this soundtrack came out, I was starting to get really into Jamiroquai. I'm like, oh, here's this... Oh, a song that's not on one of my albums... Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Going for the deep cuts. That's right. Going for the Jamiroquai deep cuts. And to be honest, it's one of their best songs. Like, the, the, <laughs> the, Which, by the way, is the only song on Godzilla the album that is written from the perspective of Godzilla. <laughs> Look at those lyrics again, friends. Uh, you'll see. It is, a, it is about being... It is Godzilla's uh, fear and anxiety. That's what that song is about. Wow. Because that's how they approached them, I'm sure. Just like, hey, write a song about Godzilla. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You asked for it. Yeah. (laughs) Which is something I wish, 
as much as I love the album, I wish more songs were like that. And I just wish more movie soundtracks were like that in general. It's a lost art. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just to dig into the rest of this uh, soundtrack, yes. there are um, so uh, one of what I think is like genuinely the best tracks on the album is um, a B side from the Foo Fighters, uh, A320. Agreed. Um, which uh, I'm trying to pull up the soundtrack right now. Um, are there others? That's all that I remember. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, uh, there, there's a Rage Against the Machine. Right. Track. No shelter. No shelter, which That's is also good. good. So like, it's it's really. I mean, you might call it front loaded. I think most normal people would. Yeah. No, and, and I think that's probably intentional. Yep. You know, I think those first like five tracks and after you're like, damn, this is such a good soundtrack. There's like ten songs left. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it does its job where it like hooks you in. And, uh, yeah, it leaves an impression. If you're a freak like me, though, you love every single song on this. <laughs> I think there's something interesting about every... Like, it's it's, oh, a, God. it's such Don't... a rarity. So, um, I, I do want to pull up the, the other tracks because some of them are... I'm ready to talk about them all. <laughs> Don't don't hold back. Um, so, there's also Air from Ben Folds. Beautiful. Um, which is a really nice song. Um can you talk about how these songs are actually integrated into the movie? <laughs> yeah, so they're actually used as diegetic sound in the film. <laughs> Various points when, I don't know, I guess the filmmakers thought, well, I guess there would be a song playing. <laughs> they actually shoved, they just cram one of these uh, songs from the album. Because they probably knew what they had. They probably, damn, this is a great soundtrack album. And this will help the movie if we just push these songs into here. So that one air, I believe plays when in the pharmacy, when Nick and Audrey are kind of reuniting. You're exactly right. For the first time in eight years. Um, while he buys pregnancy tests, (laughs) (laughs) pregnancy tests. Why though? For Godzilla, for Godzilla. (laughs) And, uh, God, like, um, I hate this script so much. I'm watching it again because like, they explain away so much just by like saying like, "Oh, Matthew Broderick, he's the worm guy. He knows." Yep. Um, because he tests like this blood from Godzilla with this pregnancy test, <laughs> and it's just like him and his ex girlfriend, and she's like, "This doesn't make sense," and he's like, "Yeah, it does. There's the hormones are the same." Oh, okay. And they just like move moving past. on. Yeah, <laughs> moving on. I think that scene is hilarious because it, because it comes right after like massive destruction. Yeah. Okay. It's like this like meat cute right, right after that. It's like, oh, hey, how you been? Like, what's your job like? Uh, <laughs> yeah, as of, as of all this shit. Didn't Another see. thing that's worth mentioning here, um, there's a lot of horniness in this movie. Yeah. Like a lot of horniness. Mm-hmm. Like the world is ending. This crazy monster is attacking the world. And all that people care about is like... How am I going to get laid? Harry, Harry Shearer trying to get laid by his assistant. Well, that's a that's, that's a times up moment, a me too moment. Totally, totally. Um, and and I do kind of appreciate it too because it definitely takes the side of um the woman mm-hmm. in this case. And uh, Harry Shearer is a total douchebag throughout. Um, but uh, who else is horny in this movie? Matthew Broderick's horny. Vicky Lewis. Audrey's horny. Vicky Lewis is horny <laughs> for Matthew Broderick. Um, the other cameraman, bearded guy, tech guy, is horny for Vicky Lewis. Um, yeah. Harry Shearer, horny for Audrey. Um, 
a lot of horniness in this movie. <laughs> Godzilla horny for itself. Totally. <laughs> reproducing asexually. <laughs> Man, and uh, he gets around. Like, yeah. the, the seed Very that fertile. he proliferates. <laughs> yeah. He, she, they um, proliferate. Let's, is... call, let's call Godzilla they. Why they. Not? Okay. Yeah, you're right. Um, Godzilla. Um... Zilla. Sorry, Zilla. It is just Zilla. Retcons to be just Zilla. Um, why Why is that? Can you explain that? Well, that's... Uh, so Toho, which is the company that... Toho? Created the... Toho? <laughs> that created Gojira, the 1954 <clears throat> film upon which this whole franchise stands. They have little trademarks for kind of all the kaiju monsters that are under their umbrella. And so this one, like the American Godzilla, just became Zilla. And Wait, why? Because they, because we took the god out of Godzilla, <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome. Like that, I think that's like the head of production at Toho or somebody, someone at Toho said mm-hmm. that. Like that's why they call it Zilla. And that's like the sickest burn. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's a hundred percent accurate too. Yeah. Um, yes, like it is. Even though I love this movie, it's I true. <laughs> I also love this movie, but I love this movie because it is an American version yes. of Godzilla. Um, it's and- so nice to be in a room with someone who understands. <laughs> um, and it is like the perfect American adaptation of Godzilla. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it pays uh, lip service to previous versions. Like the whole opening scene is this like really intense scene that happens on this boat of with like Japanese fishermen. And then they abandon them. <laughs> Which is also very American. Right. <laughs> But the whole the whole movie is just so American in ways that like I uh, just love so much. <laughs> like the um, the fact that uh, so what causes? Oh man, I don't I don't want to jump into this if we haven't finished well, with the soundtrack. Yeah, but, let's, yeah. I was gonna say, let's, let's let's talk about the soundtrack. Is there any okay. any other tracks you want to mention? Yeah. So um, let let me just go through. So track one, Heroes by the Wallflowers. Great. Uh, two, Come With Me, Puff Daddy, featuring Jimmy Page. Yeah, right, whatever. Um, <laughs> three, Deeper Underground. Oh, am I, am I too hot? Too hot it's on this right, mic? Sorry. I've been working on projection with my <laughs> students all this week. Let's turn you down. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I... <laughs> I hold the cards here. <laughs> let's, um, let's go back to that track listing. Okay, uh, track listing. Number one, Heroes by the Wallflowers. Number two, Come With Me, Puff Daddy, featuring Jimmy Page. Number three, Deeper Underground by Jamiroquai. Number four, No Shelter by Rage Against the Machine. Number five, Air by Ben Folds. And then here is where there's a huge fall, huge fall in quality. Running Knees by Days of the New. Agreed. This is is the dud. I can't even tell you what that song is. Um, Macy Day Parade by Michael Penn. Also don't care. Not to be confused with Green Day's Macy's Day Parade. Right. But Green Day also comes up let me, later. Let me tell you, though, I love the Michael Penn Macy Day Parade. Eric. <laughs> it's a nice change of pace within all the other like post-alternative. Here's like an actual alternative artist. Okay. Have you ever heard his like late 80s songs? Mm-hmm. He's someone I've been introduced to, more re- to in more recent years. And I think it, it took me a while to like uh, have Macy, Macy Day Parade grow on me. Uh, this is not his shining moment, <laughs> nor is it the shining moment on the soundtrack. Up next, Walk the Sky by Fuel. Who remembers Fuel? I do, and I remember this song. This is a great song. Okay, this song sucks. Um, no. Fuel sucks. Did they do that oh, Shimmer whoa, whoa, whoa. song? Yes. <laughs> yes, they did. So, um, I hate Fuel. Uh, Why? Go on. 
Why do you hate fuel? Um, because they suck. Oh <laughs> okay. God. So th- there's this moment in the late '90s where um, Kurt Cobain kills himself, and like uh, grunge is dead. Mm-hmm. And um, all of these like terrible like major label versions of Nirvana come out, and I think Fuel is one of those. <laughs> um, and it's just this like pop version of grunge that I just find really distasteful and and uh, off putting. I won't I won't say that's an inaccurate reading, <laughs> but I do like this particular song a lot. Why? Because it's got a lot of energy. I like I actually like the singer's voice on it. Oh my god, I know. I know. And I have fond memories. So I love the soundtrack so much um, that I added it to these mixtapes I would make. Uh, my So when I was in eighth grade, my sister was a senior in high school, and our all our schools in our district were like on the same campus. So that was the one and only year that we would drive together to school every single morning. That sounds sweet. In our old uh, Oldsmobile cutlass classic station wagon where the tape deck and radio was broken so <laughs> we would bring along an actual like boom box huh. that we could stick tapes in and play on our way to school and like we made mixtapes we each made tapes so like you know incorporating songs that we both wanted to hear and we would try to like introduce things that we thought you it's know beautiful how, how long was that commute uh, 15 minutes. That's a good, good mixtape length. Yeah. So, uh, I, this was around the time I was like really into Godzilla, the album. So I <laughs> added, I added a three twenty, which is, which is the one right after walk the sky, a three twenty by Foo Fighters. Yeah. This is a B side from Foo Fighters, possibly one of their best songs. <laughs> yeah. I'm, really I'm, good. I'm, a, I'm a really big fan of this song. I was um, reading that Dave Grohl is really proud of that. It's composition. It's, yeah, he said it's one of his favorite Foo Fighters songs. Um, uh, I also um, really love it. Um, it's a, it's got a great structure. It's like the first half is a song, and the second half is just like this crazy um, jam. Uh, yeah, prog rock yeah. stuff going on. <laughs> oh, um, so and this yeah. is this is late '90s Foo Fighters, which I don't know if people remember this, but late '90s Foo Fighters was pretty awesome. <laughs> they were like trying to get out of the shadow of nirvana they were like trying different things like um this this may be my like favorite era of foo fighters Mm. so (laughs) that was a highlight for me as well uh it was a320 it was walk the sky and i think heroes i also put on that mixtape and i don't know how how my sister felt about them but we gotta bring her on i know (laughs) i'll text her right now Um, after A320 by the Foo Fighters, there is Brain Stew, the Godzilla remix. <laughs> yes. Green Day featuring Godzilla. This <laughs> this is awesome because I was really into Green Day at the time. I loved Brain Stew. I loved that whole Insomniac album. It was like my favorite Green Day album at the time. That um, uh, Probably not at the time that this came out, but um, whenever I really got into Green Day, Insomniac was my favorite. Is that your and, favorite now? Insomniac, um, probably. I mean, I'm, I'm. Uh, I think the trilogy of Dookie, Insomniac, and Nimrod are untouchable. Like yeah. those are three perfect yeah. albums. I mean, and... but there's there's something about the sophomore album that uh, I just have a real affinity for. I love um, the Strokes, uh, Room on Fire. Mm-hmm. I love, um, even though this isn't an official sophomore album, but um, Nirvana's Incesticide. Mm-hmm. Um, 
is also has this kind of like weird this sort of like uh post um popularity sort of vibe to it mm. um but uh i loved brain stew um yeah. still love brain stew uh and can someone describe the godzilla remix of brain stew <laughs> how does how does that work it's got godzilla sounds thrown into it but it also has like a bridge of sorts and then it repeats a does it? I honestly thought it was it's just the Godzilla different. noises. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, I think it like has an extended bridge that's not in the original. And then I think it repeats a verse that's not repeated. This is all news to me. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. Well, let's uh, also not forget that the Godzilla noise comes in like earlier in the album. Like the end of Heroes, there's a Godzilla roar that uh, transitions into Come With Me. Also forgotten. Aren't, oh, aren't all the videos kind of like meta too? Like yes. Godzilla's sort of a component in, it, yeah. in the plot of each video. Yeah. I love that this podcast is becoming just about the soundtrack. <laughs> um, but can somebody describe the uh, Deeper Underground video? So Deeper Underground is a video where uh, everyone is watching Godzilla in the movie theater. With? 3D glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, as, as soon as they're watching a scene where Godzilla's foot is about to crash down onto the ground, it bursts through... The wall of the theater, literally breaking the fourth wall. hey The theater becomes flooded, and then uh, JK, the lead singer of Jamiroquai, starts doing his, his stupid dancing all, <laughs> all over the rows of seats, which, the, which you know, the, the, it's flooded up like to like three feet. So he's just kind of hopping and stepping over the chairs. Why, and, is, why doesn't he just climb on the wall on the ceiling? I don't know, man. He has that ability. That's right. <laughs> They didn't want to do that again. <laughs> While taxis and helicopters are crashing into this movie theater, and he's jumping up on those and dancing. Um, so, come with me. Also has some uh, fourth wall breaking interaction. Does yep. it not? Yeah. Yeah. He awake. Puff Daddy awakes from a, a sexy dream <laughs> to find that Godzilla is menacing New York City. Uh, destroys the high rise that he's living in. Throws him up in the air where he explodes into a flock of doves, as noted earlier. <laughs> and, and then he reforms as Puff Daddy on a stage in Times Square with, <laughs> with an orchestra. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> were, were, were there other music videos for this? What was... Those were those, were, well, the... the Heroes had a video. Oh, right. That just had dreamy Jacob Dylan and like a girl walking through the rain. Right. And there also Godzilla is around. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so after Brain Stew on the soundtrack comes the track by Silverchair, Untitled. Mm. Garbage. <laughs> <laughs> You're hurting me. You're really hurting me. So I'm not a fan of Sil- See, See, but th- this is, again... You don't like Anna's song? This is the late... You like Freak? Honestly, after... This is going to sound super pretentious or whatever, but after Cobain died, I don't care about American alternative. Like in the well, post, this is, in the this is post alternative, in the latter half so of the nineties. But that's like, like all of the nineties. Well, in the, in the latter, <laughs> is a good portion of it, yes. especially in the latter half of the nineties, all alternative rock, I just <gasps> fucking hate it. Oh, I like you're I, hurting my I, hair. Yeah. Foo Fighters I'm, only. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised that you think of this album so fondly. Then, because to me, this is like the perfect encapsulation of post alternative or post grunge music. So I should clarify that my opinions about this album are my current opinions, okay, and not my prior opinions. <laughs> At the time, 
as a child, yes. I loved this album, and I played all of it on repeat all the time. Okay. Um, especially the Fuzzbubble song. Yes. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um, which I I should clarify, loved it as a kid, hate it now. Oh. <laughs> You're going to come back around, Darren. You see, I yeah. I, 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 I'll, I, You'll I, outgrow this cynicism. I'll give you less leeway on this one. Like, why, why do you hate this one? Like, this is, oh, it's fun. It's got so much energy. <sighs> no, it doesn't. It's, it, it's just, it's just like the packaged corporate um, version of this whole grunge 90s thing. I I really hate it. I felt like this one though and cuz like they shove it in at the end, it's a group that is like it's on they were on Bad Boy Records. Puff Daddy discovered quote unquote discovered them. Um, I'm rolling my eyes so hard right now. <laughs> well, you're not going to like uh, the per- comparison that I'm going to make, which is Shades of Big Star on Stax Records. Oh, boo. Fuzz Bubble on Bad Boy Records. I, d- I don't know. I do kind of like that comparison. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just... The, the, the soundtrack just perfectly fits the movie. Like You're, you're it's, right. It's, I'm not going to deny big, that. It's big, bombastic. Yeah. It's fun. It's kind of crappy, but it doesn't matter. Like it, it, <laughs> no one, There are no pretensions, you know? Uh, Truly, yeah. There be no shelter here. There are no pretensions anywhere. <laughs> to coin to coin a parodic phrase. Okay, uh, what about "Undercover" by Joey Deluxe at the end? See, this was the one I always <laughs> this was the one I always hated as a kid. Like, what is this lounge bullshit yeah. at the end of my rock album? <laughs> but I love it now. Uh, it's so it's, funny. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad. <laughs> Again, bad humor, which totally fits with Godzilla. You're, you're you're right. I I can't deny that the album does like perfectly reflect the movie itself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as a transition to talking about the movie, unless we have other soundtrack um, notes, because we're going to cut to commercials or something, right? Yeah, you, you guys got sponsors <laughs> that you throw to mm-hmm. <laughs> with songs but, by Darren Sprawls. Before we get to the sponsors. There is a lot of shots of the World Trade Center in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And even though it's made in 1998, which is pre-9-11, and this whole movie reeks of pre-9-11, you know, vibes, mm-hmm. um, I feel like they're flaunting the World Trade Center in front of us in the post-9-11 world. And um, thoughts after we pee. <laughs> Here's a message from our sponsors. <laughs> And here's where we put in a lounge song. <laughs> put it undercover. <laughs> you take two steps forward, smile, and turn out the lights. That was a good soundtrack discussion, I think. No? Yeah? Mystery lover. Yeah, because it was just an argument between <laughs> me. Well, I wanted some argument because whenever we talk about the movie, I feel like we're going to be we're agreeing on it. Your finest moments are always the debates. Yeah, the the antagonism. <laughs> Not antagonism. Do you obviously uh, Revenge of the Sith? It's like that thirty minute stretch where you and Wheeler are just arguing with each other. It's just some of the uh, best work that we've ever done. <laughs> just let you go. I love that though. Um, I will. I, I just have always loved arguing with Wheeler. I'll I'll do it until my dying day. <laughs> Someone's gotta check him. Yeah, um, and uh, God, I can't wait to talk to him. Yeah, so we went and saw Detective Pikachu together. I love that this is on the record, yeah, too. It's on the record. <laughs> on the record. Um, we saw Detective Pikachu together, and Sam walked out, and she was like, 10 out of 10. 
<laughs> Kevin Chu walked down and was like, I saw this on Sunday. This is Tuesday. Wow. <laughs> and uh, he was like, I'll probably see it again. Dude just fucking loves Pokemon. Um, and then... <laughs> Eric, I couldn't really get a take on him, but Ariel and I were both like, man, that was super fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I look forward to arguing with Eric about that. They're going deeper underground. So you just ended challenging us with World Trade Center talk. Yeah, I, I kind of want to take that back. I, <laughs> I, okay. I, I feel like there's a better setup for that. But um, What you, were you going to say? Uh, so tr- in transitioning from the soundtrack to other auxiliary pieces of the Godzilla production I was interested in the um, like action figures from this movie (laughs) I did not get any Um, but I remember that after this movie came out there were action figures in the stores and I like really wanted a Godzilla because the Godzilla was so cool it didn't look like the old Godzilla like a man in a costume (laughs) it looked like Godzilla Look like a slick, cool Godzilla. It's a very '90s, like cool, extreme yes. version of Godzilla. Um, yeah, which um, I would like to hear your guys' comparisons because I haven't seen any of the new Godzillas in the last couple of years. Oh, really? That, um, I I haven't, but um, I'm curious how how this compares because uh, I'll defend this Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just because I, yeah, um, I, uh, I, I just buy into this, this whole Godzilla version and yeah. Um, do you guys have any experience with the action figures or anything or? No, I, I did not have any experience with the action figures. I vaguely remember the cartoon being on TV, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. which I think made those more appealing as action figures it's hard to imagine kids coming out of the movie and like wanting the matthew broderick action figure (laughs) (laughs) but godzilla himself like that that cartoon Mm -hmm. is very stylish too Mm -hmm. yeah very much in keeping with the kind of cool 90s aesthetic of the of the creature design yeah um and the creature design itself was really fascinating again i i just got this from the um wikipedia page but it's it's worth a dive (laughs) it's very much like a real animal mm-hmm. you know i, I think it's, it's implied that it's basically like an iguana <laughs> that mutated mutated <laughs> yeah. into kaiju size and it acts like an iguana it swims like an iguana um there are moments where it really reminds me of like an old ray harryhausen kind of thing mm. where they would have like put a real iguana in like a miniature set or against the blue screen and I, I have to say, for the time, I think the combination of CGI and um, live action is like pretty solid. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this takes a lot of things from Jurassic Park. And totally, that, and that's a well, good that's a good thing that it does take is <laughs> like the combination. Yeah, there. yeah, and I, I would say it even it goes overboard to a fault. Oh, yeah. Like this movie feels like Jurassic Park and Alien just like shoved <laughs> together. Um, With a little Independence Day sprinkled on top. Yeah. <laughs> um. And for that reason, it's kind of lame. But uh, at the same time, I do love the way that they treat Godzilla in this movie. It's very different from the way that they treat him in <laughs> any of the original movies. Mm-hmm. And it really uh, comes at him with this sort of animal... Just It comes at him with this empathy yeah. that uh, uh, is, is very foreign to the other um, yeah. Godzilla movies. Godzilla is neither a heroic nor a villainous character. He's an animal. Yeah, he's just 
doing yeah. what he's born to do. He's an animal who's been mutated by human beings, mm-hmm. so there is like some indirect fault laid back on human beings. Not Americans, by the way. <laughs> who's at fault here? The French. You're right. <laughs> You're damn right. This is something that I find really... Um, like it upsets me now watching it but um like jean reno plays this like secret french villain who turns out to be a good guy and he's trying to make up for his country's mistakes and the nuclear testing that they did in the polynesian islands there's no mention of the american nuclear test that happened in this movie (laughs) the uh the american nuclear test bear no uh responsibility on anything that's going on in this movie (laughs) Um, the well, French are the only ones who who take responsibility for for the nuclear testing and the repercussions. If you want to talk about alighting history, like <laughs> the original Godzilla, Gojira, is you know about the effects of radiation um, in America dropping the atomic bomb on Japan. You know, it, that's way shadier than testing it in the South Pacific. But in this movie's defense. The French were testing nuclear arms, you know, in on South Pacific islands longer, way longer than any other nation. This was definitely a, a political issue in like the 60s and I think the 70s too. They just kept testing these nuclear bombs in the world. It's like, are we still doing this? Like, what is going on? I have seen those uh, like fast moving maps, though, of nuclear testing. Yeah. And it does seem like America did more nuclear testing over the last like... 70 years m- m- more than any other country yes. is that is that true or not that's probably true yeah. i won't <laughs> that sounds about right um it's just i think the french that it was just very newsworthy because it's um in the late 60s even like there were nuclear tests on pacific islands and people you know at least by this point america is like we're blowing them up underground in nevada or something right you know which is still not great. It's but. not great. <laughs> None of it's great. Yeah. I, I just found that really fascinating that it's like the French who have the onus in, in this movie yeah. for, for their them going too far in their nuclear testing when in reality America yes. has, has done incredible damage to the earth. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, of all the avenues they could have taken, like, you know, it could have been way worse. Not just like American testing, this... but like American killing people with the atomic bomb. <laughs> right. Well, the thing that strikes me, I mean, I mean, I guess we can jump around. This is something I feel now, but what strikes me about this movie is that, and it kind of reminds me of when we did the Animatrix, and there's a short in the Animatrix, the the second renaissance, which tells the history of how man and AI kind of, you know, started a war. Humans never trusted AI, and they always proactively took the first aggressive move. Uh, and that's what they do in this movie, this, too. This reminds me of another Matthew Broderick <laughs> movie, War Games. <laughs> I had not thought of that, but that's actually strangely apt. <laughs> we haven't gotten into Matt Broad um, in yeah. particular, but um, I hope we do at some point. We will. We will. Okay. Um, the thing that strikes me is is there, there are these majestic moments with Godzilla where it's almost like he's this beautiful animal. He's this creature that is just a sight to behold. And he doesn't really do any damage until people are like, oh my God, he's a giant monster. Or he roars and they're like, ah, shit, let's fight him. Let's kill it. You know, and that's when things go bad is when 
the military starts firing at it and then it destroys everything. I, I hate it when a Godzilla has, you know, goes into the grocery store and they say he's looting and then white people <laughs> come around and they say they found food. <laughs> That's exactly what happens in this movie. What's the I, first I, thing that Godzilla does is he goes to eat some fish. Um, and I do love that the majority of the damage done to the city of New York in this movie is by the military. It's not by Godzilla. Oh, some of the best like, moments are when <laughs> yeah, they, they like they, they shoot some missiles and it misses Godzilla. He ducks it and it hits like the, the Chrysler it, building. The Chrysler <laughs> building and it just like topples and they're like, uh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this like uh, terrible like Sergeant O'Neill or something who's yeah who's like uh, oh he's uh, uh, yeah. like I want you to close all the tunnels he's like okay uh, how do I do that <laughs> it's like yeah it's it's so strange the relationship between Kevin Dunn who's supposedly like the top of the military the well he's yeah he well he's the leader of the operation there are like other generals and like admirals mm-hmm. who come in later but he's like the guy. When and then, Godzilla first is like in Panama, they're like they send him down. And then directly underneath him is this O'Neill guy who's just like, yes, but he has a great arc. We'll we'll talk about it. Any other childhood? Yeah, let, let's just stick to the last our last childhood. All right, salvos. So I have one embarrassing coming of age story associated with this movie this is the right place and time. <laughs> all right so this is just very loosely godzilla related but i feel like I, it's a fun story to tell in sixth grade we were in this one class and friend of the podcast nate tap who's been on some episodes recently never heard of him <laughs> uh he was there just kidding uh, nate you're a good guy we had a we had a group project or well. something and somehow this kid one of the kids in our group like it came up that like he had a playboy access to a playboy okay <laughs> i'm intrigued and so he was he was gonna bring it to school and and we were all gonna like look at this playboy like, in secret <laughs> at school at school and uh you guys have like a bathroom picked out or something no no no, no no see we see because we hit it uh-huh uh very discreetly in this kid's godzilla folder <laughs> he, had, he, he had he had like a 98 godzilla folder yes and we were just like sitting in the back of a class with the Playboy like hidden inside this Godzilla folder. What class? Just all of your I wanna classes? say it was no, I wanna say it was social studies. <laughs> oh, that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> or no, it might have been like an elective um it was, oh, a, so- it was a social studies teacher, Health. but it might have been like an like an extra okay. like elective class yeah. that he taught where we all just did like random group projects and stuff like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was. <laughs> you were uh, peeking at so yeah some naked ladies. So if, like the Godzilla folder, like we can bring that up, and that's like shorthand for this <laughs> funny this, this story. erotic moment <laughs> <laughs> among men, <laughs> among well, budding tweens. Is that when you learn that size does matter? <laughs> <laughs> what do you remember from the Playboy? What were be we specific yeah. <laughs> what, what, what articles were you reading <laughs> Gore Vidal's latest short story okay can we talk about what the shit means now yeah yes all right oh, that, <laughs> I mean, let's let's uh is that on me okay no, no, no. <clears throat> uh, 
Okay, we've already talked about how this movie just it mashes up many other successful movies. It's kind of so a, yeah. spe- uh, specifically Jurassic Park mm-hmm. and Alien for me, and, and, um, uh, and obviously Godzilla um, and Independence Day and Independence Day. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, I have a lot to say about comparing it to Independence Day. Okay. Let's start there because honestly, like while I was watching this movie, the biggest mood that I felt was like, man, Emmerich is a boss. <laughs> um, this script sucks, which he co-wrote. Yep. But uh, that's what yeah. his his direction is really strong. It is. Like for this uh, time period, like he was, yes. um, especially coming off of Independence Day, like. The direction is like really exciting and good, and the script sucks. The Dur- script sucks real bad. Direction of set pieces, yes. Direction of actors, I'm not so sure. Uh, 100% <laughs> agree. 100% agree. Yeah. Um, let's. Uh, I mean, we could talk about Maprod if we want, but um, you, you have other things to say about Emmerich and Independence Day. Yeah. Let's, let, let's uh, start there. Okay. So the thing that boggles my mind is it's the same exact writing team. It's him and Dean Devlin. Mm-hmm writing it like they did independence day he's directing it like independence day script is so much worse than Uh, independence day by the way there is a sub section in the wikipedia for godzilla the movie that is titled imrick and devlin (laughs) (laughs) very interesting if you're curious but it's because they took the project over from jan de bont and uh rossio yeah yeah um so they had some sort of Godzilla versus some monsters um, script that Emmerich and Devlin read, and they were like, "Uh, no, <laughs> this is just... not this is not funky fresh for the '90s. <laughs> this is some old Godzilla shit." Yeah, they just wanted to do like an animal version, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. they were holed up. But the the thing that the thing that just bothers me is that like none of the humor lands like it does in Independence Day. I think it, a lot of it has to do with casting. I think Independence Day is cast really well. Um, where every little minor character gets their moment, they they have like a funny line, and they just sell it really well, you know. As like but, the smallest characters in Independence Day are just like really charismatic. I would I would also say that the characters in Independence Day are more likable than the characters in Godzilla mm-hmm. too. Like yeah. Harry Shearer, there's nothing to like about him. I also um, think Independence Day is way more diverse in its cast. Like this is the whitest New York City I've ever seen <laughs> in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think are there any people of color in this movie. <laughs> There's the uh, the admiral where when Godzilla gets in the water, it's like don't worry, the navy's got something waiting for him. Whoever, who's, I don't who's even a black man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the only person of color. In, like, that's in, in such the a minor cast. character. A I don't know. Authority. I just um... hey, animal seems Italian. <laughs> <laughs> um... Or from Jersey or something. I don't, I don't know. That, that's the Hank. Um, Azaria character like the jokes just don't land and they they do an independence day and i just don't get it maybe they're just their heart wasn't in it but i don't know like there, there's like a biblical allusion or something it's like what is this the virgin lizard yeah it's just like <laughs> mary ebert crickets you know? mary like, ebert, yeah the, the the jokes just i don't know they don't land for me the cast isn't funny they're i mean i like some of these actors i okay but... so i i am gonna push back a little bit yeah because Jean Reno and the French Commandos are oh, fucking hilarious. That's, so, that's a totally different thing. I love their it's presence. It's like a different like, movie. It is. Whenever they're on screen. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. 
They're no, always, the, they're commandos who do more complaining about coffee than like commandoing. <laughs> oh god, yeah, it's well, pretty great. Whenever, yeah, I th- and maybe that's Roland Emmerich being like being European and mm-hmm. kind of bringing this kind of European flavor into it. I think it's just much more natural and fun. Yeah. He's German born, by yeah, the way. Yeah, he's yes. German, but I, I feel like I couldn't help but I think mean, that there was like this meta level to this one, the the one scene where they're like. <laughs> Well, chewing gum and they're like yeah what are, why are you chewing gum he's like it makes us look more american and yeah. then they like pass through the security and they like, oh. affect these like elvis presley accents to yes. try to like fit in yeah <laughs> and, it should it and, should also be said that uh this made this movie made way more money internationally than it made mm-hmm. nationally yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that that makes sense to me because it feels like it has this like european sensibility that is is weird when it's coming from the american characters yeah. you're just like Americans don't act like this. <laughs> and I feel like naturally a, a European director might direct people that is, you know, not quite what we're used to as in America. But when it gets to the French people, it, it just seems much more like fitting and much more fun and naturalistic. And I don't know. I, I had a lot of fun with those, those French yeah. scenes. And... I, I actually think Animal's pretty funny too, who lives in fear of his wife. Like when he's climbing out the window, when he and Audrey are trying to escape, he's like, "Yeah, it's like I'm gotta go this way because my wife's gonna kill me." But when they're in Madison <sighs> Square Garden, that's it's funny to me. When they're in Madison <laughs> Square Garden, uh, and they're just like have escaped by the like the skin of their teeth from a bunch of baby Godzillas, and he's like, "Whoa!" <laughs> what? It's like this is like where the Knicks take showers and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he has nailed it. I I I think that's more. Um, a tribute to his performance than it is to the actual script. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, but there's it's still funny. That's like, Hank Azaria, right? Yes, Hank yeah, Azaria's yeah, yeah. stuff is really good too. Like, and also the famous scene where uh, he's about to get squashed by the Godzilla foot, and like he at first he's like just frantically trying to get that tape in his uh, camcorder. Yeah. He's like slamming it, and then he just like gingerly touches it, and it finally goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought he was toast right. in that scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've, I have mixed feelings about all this because I felt about it one way as a kid and I feel about it very differently now. Um, like watching Hank Azaria um, almost be crushed by the foot as a kid was like, wow. It was like the, uh, you know, Indiana Jones ride and the ball coming at you. And uh, watching it now, it's just like, ugh, really? <laughs> it just seems so cheap. Um, it seems like such a such a cheap setup. And even his character seems so like, it doesn't seem real in any way it just seems like uh this um stereotype of uh, yeah I, I i don't know especially seeing you mentioned that this is an early like breakout role for hank azaria yeah. as a um like live action performer seeing him do like much better work since then um it, it kind of like shrinks this this performance for me you can still see the flashes of it though like i it's it's not for nothing that he is one of the more likable characters in the movie. I think he has that natural charisma. True. I also like this movie. Just I don't know. I love the approach that they take uh, to Godzilla, which we talked about about it just being an animal, but more so that these people are so excited just to study it. There there are little moments with Matthew Broderick's character that I find really fascinating. Motherfucker can't stop talking about worms. Yes. <laughs> but also, like... We got ha- worms. Yes. When he buys that disposable camera, just, like, at the moment when they're, like, it's probably one of the tensest moments in the movie, the first time they're trying to lure Godzilla out and kill him. 
and he's Nick Tatopoulos is like, I want to document this moment. Okay, and this this part really bugged me mm-hmm. this time because he's like got this disposable camera and he's taking flash photos yes. while Godzilla is like um, 100, 200 meters away from him. It's like, that's not going to come out, Tatopoulos. <laughs> what are you doing? You're just I... making him suspicious by flashing this light at him. To go back to the direction, to the the good direction of this movie, um, I was kind of paying attention to the amount of Godzilla. And and going back to like how much he wasn't in the the marketing. Mm -hmm. We didn't get to see the full Godzilla reveal in the marketing. And we don't get to see it for a while through the in the movie, even even when he's like destroying the city. And um, those those early scenes while he is destroying the city and while yeah. they're obscuring his yeah. actual, I, I think are really awesome. They're really they're great. Really good. I think it's really <laughs> like it made me wonder. Like I just kind of I was outside of it for a little bit. And I was like kind of approaching it from a storytelling perspective and just like who's going to get the reveal? Because mm-hmm. it was like a foot here or like. His he was obscured by like some wreckage in the foreground or right. something or right. like it was just kind of like the underbelly of him and, mm-hmm. or his tail swings As by he goes or around the corner yeah yeah like you, like who who gets it if, you know obviously the main character is going to get yeah. it and it's funny that you know Hank Azaria tries with his like big shot you know news camera doesn't get it because he he you know freaks out but it's Matthew Broderick who is like genuinely curious about this as an animal right. not as like an enemy or as like a freak of nature or anything it's just he's just you know uh has this almost relationship with godzilla and that's what i feel like is so endearing about this movie is yes. like the connection with godzilla and I, I think those moments are really majestic and like kind of lyrical almost and it you know and then they're fucked up by the military when they're like ah shoot it <laughs> yeah yeah it's like it's, and like even even in that scene he's like telling them to stand down yeah and like that gives yeah. him the hands and majestic is a perfect word like for the music in that moment yeah. too it's like this real beautiful moment that mm-hmm. the movie needs way more of but <laughs> yeah um but it's I, it's very rewarding when when it, yeah. he finally if we finally do get the reveal and it's with Matthew Broderick yeah. like seeing it through his eyes like the full reveal of Godzilla to make a comparison that may make you guys and maybe some of our listeners very mad. The Nick and Godzilla, that scene specifically reminds me a lot of the Anne Darrow King Kong relationship <laughs> in the Peter Jackson movie mm. where they're moving in this direction where he's the only one who has a, a connection with this animal yeah, yeah. that everyone wants, that everyone fears, but he's, he's the only lens that we have that can, we can make us see it from a different perspective. Of course, that's all, thrown away when he decides to torch all its offspring Hmm. (laughs) but he at least mentions that you know he does have some qualms about it's like this was the only animal of its kind you know and but they do what they have to do to survive because he's totally right about this creature is going to become the dominant species on the planet if they don't just kill it the message is definitely at odds like (laughs) i love that that lyrical moment but it can't be sustained it's just i don't know it's tragic in a way i do i do have to say too that final moment where on the bridge um where he falls and it's like this uh, moment between matthew broderick and um godzilla in the rain very affecting um to me as a kid and it it really kind of in retrospect it taught me empathy (laughs) (laughs) in a way um, that uh, not a lot of Hollywood blockbuster movies 
teach me empathy in that in that way i think it, yeah i think yeah. It, especially in the 90s my god it was all just like attitude another reason why i like the fact that the main characters in this movie are, are like nerds and <laughs> <laughs> they're gold blooming it's like it's if you take uh, Independence Day, but you cut out the Will Smith character, or you turn him into Jean Reno. Yeah. <laughs> and but but even Jeff Goldblum in that movie gets like a badass moment. Yeah. Bar- Matthew Broderick doesn't even get that in this movie. He's not like he doesn't become like a gun-toting badass. He's just yeah. He's he's like always behind the pack when they're running through Madison Square Garden. Yeah. <laughs> they make a point to show how slow he is in comparison. <laughs> oh, quick, um, quick, we... quick tangent. I love I love. <laughs> When they um they're running from the baby Godzillas through like the Madison Square Garden, is it like a stadium or something or, or where the arena? Yeah, arena. Um, <laughs> first the there's the the blockbuster. Yes, in logo. the background. Yeah, and then they go they run by the Josta. Yeah, advertisement, <laughs> which was like a blast of nostalgia. <laughs> Josta soda. Yes, like a super caffeinated. Oh my god, something or other. Um, There's a lot of ads in that, in that <laughs> sequence, which just reminds you. Yeah, I couldn't help but think like <laughs> that was just like them lampshading the, the the just the capitalist endeavor of this whole thing. Yeah. Where it's just like it's like this way, come this way, and it was like through the blockbuster, through the Josta, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like this is in the middle of like a very Jurassic Park scene, which is like it was just like lampshading like hey. This way, through the, come through the commerce. Like, <laughs> no, no, we don't want to be here. We don't want to be here. I think two raptors are cool. Here are 80 of them. <laughs> yeah, and you're, you're reminding me of a couple of different things. Um, just the fact that this movie just plays on Godzilla and Jurassic Park and Alien, except that in Alien, but the ba- the eggs are bigger. Yes. <laughs> um and uh jurassic park except it's bigger and but yeah how did how did godzilla like get into madison square garden and like lay all these eggs like did he it, go unnoticed it burrows <laughs> it burrows no there, there's a lot of plot holes in this that are <laughs> that are not worth talking about because it's yeah. just, it's it's a it's a hollywood blockbuster like what do you, what do you want <laughs> they're like, not going for logic here like could he fit in there <laughs> It's a good question. It does not compute to me. Yeah, I I feel like the size, um, Godzilla's size does not. Uh, it does. It does. It's not consistent. Throughout, throughout it suits the, the story's needs. Yeah, <laughs> but it is cool when he just pops out of the wreckage of Madison Square Garden. Oh my god! Um, so another tie into Independence Day here, blowing up familiar buildings and shit. Yep. Um, yeah, that was very Roland Emmerich, mm-hmm. and uh, I loved it. Yeah, I also love the fact that it's not the World Trade Center and the Empire State Building. Like the Flatiron Building gets destroyed. Although, again, I want to say, even though this movie's made in 1998, um, definitely feel like they were flaunting the World Trade Center in our post 9/11 faces. I did so so many World Trade Center shots in this movie. It's funny because I didn't even notice it. (laughs) I'm just Eric. Don't you remember? You wonder. Never forget. Never forget. Can we talk about Map Rod for a second? Yes, please. Map Rod. Um, you know, perfectly cast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because as a young, nerdy child, I loved his character. <laughs> Watching it again now, ugh. <laughs> ugh. 
Um, yeah, it starts with him like singing in the rain, literally. That's yeah, yeah um, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, bad. <laughs> um, but you know, I realize now, like, oh, Matthew Broderick is like a um, Broadway guy. He likes to sing and stuff. Okay, so so that kind of makes so sense. So what I guess. was stopping him in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I I do understand that your reservations about his character now, because yeah, it's it's kind of, he's kind of I don't know squishy for lack of a better word. <laughs> it's just like he see, he seems so uncomfortable, and part of that is works with the character how he's thrust into this adventure that he has no business being in. Like when the French commandos kidnap him, especially, and it's like you're coming with us. It's like what? You would not take this guy with you. Yeah, and he totally gets sucked along, like, this whole story. Yeah. He, he's not a, a very active part in it. But he knows radiation and yep. DNA and can do blood samples really well. He is the voice of authority, scientific authority, which is something this movie has in common, like a lot of other things, with um, 50s and 60s sci-fi B-movies. I think for all for all the ways that this is movies anathema to Godzilla <laughs> fanboys and purists, I think it does kind of understand what the older movies were getting at. Totally, and um, God, and and that just brings me back to this idea that this is just like such a good American adaptation mm-hmm. of this um, yeah. Japanese monster like story. The, ma- the main character is a boring scientist. Totally. Uh, <laughs> Who sings uh, Singing in the Rain yeah. <laughs> and can't stop talking about his fucking worms yes. the whole movie. Yep. <laughs> um, the military plays this huge role, but they're very short-sighted to the point that they're just idiots, practically. Mm-hmm. Even though I love Kevin Dunn's just peaks of anger. He's <laughs> he is, brilliant he is at so that. great. Yeah. yeah, he's so great in this role. It reminded me a lot of his Veep character. Exactly. <laughs> yes, precisely. Bingo. Just somebody who's like um, smart but angry and also uh, short-sighted. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I like the part where Audrey uh, has her story stolen by Cayman mm-hmm. uh, with the Japanese fisherman saying Gojira, and he's like Godzilla, <laughs> and and she's like it's Gojira, you moron. Like, have you so have you seen the original Gojira? Um, I have, I have, but it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. But did you know that then, like two years after that, they made, they released it in America called uh, a movie called Godzilla: King of the Monsters, where they added scenes with Raymond Burr in as like an American journalist, like in some instances even getting like body doubles for characters from the Japanese version, and they'll say stuff. They're only shot from behind, and they'll say things like, "Oh, we're glad you're here with us." Right now in Japan, you know. <laughs> wow, I did not know that. It's That's like really it's like tailored to the American market, just uh-huh. in the worst, most clumsy way <laughs> you can imagine. Which also like makes me appreciate this movie. Like they, there's a little bit of wryness to what mm-hmm. they're doing here. Like I don't think it's totally just knuckleheaded. There are definitely big. There's some 90s, awareness. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely nineties blockbusters are usually pretty knuckleheaded, but not this one. Which is why I think I my heart softens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're you're right. It does um, kind of play with expectations in certain ways, yeah. and um, it's it's actually trying to do something different 
you know, it's not just remaking a movie. It has its, its own starting point, you know? I, I, And that is what I want from so many movies. Like, today we complain about the ridiculousness of remakes and sequels and, like, fan service and just member berries and just telling, like, just throwing something in just so that you can get that little nicotine hit of nostalgia. <laughs> This was like fuck all that. Yeah, <laughs> we're giving. We're you a, starting from zero. A giant iguana <laughs> created by the French. <laughs> you like that? I God, I respect that and I love that so much. Yeah, you're uh, you're totally right, and and it does make me respect um, Roland Emmerich more too. Um, the fact that there was this script by these two um, very respected screenwriters who went on to create the pirates of the caribbean franchise among many other things um and roland emmerich was like fuck that (laughs) (laughs) one thing i did discover in the research for this episode is that there's a graphic novel uh created from that discarded screenplay called godzilla 94 Mm. um and it's for free you can read it free online did you read it I, i i started flipping a few pages but i didn't have time to actually read it it's pretty long (laughs) <laughs> but i did like see some of the like there's like a griffin monster in that movie mm-hmm. which was the thing that godzilla's gonna fight and that looks pretty dope um yeah i i remember reading that also in the wikipedia page it's, i think and... we both read the wikipedia page <laughs> cover it's, to cover it's it's a pretty interesting <laughs> it is. read yeah it is it's like the production history of this movie is pretty fascinating um yeah because they gained the rights in like 92 um and uh it took them they had a different director trying to move forward with this um, uh, other script by these two guys. And then Emmerich off of Independence Day was like, I could do whatever I want. And then he <laughs> found this Godzilla project and he was like, well, I'll do this, but you got to let me like do whatever I want. And they're like, <laughs> okay, what a world. Can you imagine that? Yeah. <laughs> the blank check. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful subgenre of movies. <laughs> I think it still happens. Yes. Know? That's yeah. why we got Inception. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, I feel like it's pretty rare. Yeah. One influence that we haven't mentioned yet is Jaws. I think there's also some Jaws stuff in this. Yeah. There's the uh, scene um, on the docks. <laughs> um, do you remember this? <laughs> With those New York guys yep. and that fisherman. Oh, yep. That is like maybe the the thing I remember most from my original viewing. Like, <laughs> um, when that scene came up, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but like, largely, I do, do not remember this movie because um, I only saw them once. Yeah. So, yeah. For some reason, that fisherman scene really sticks out. <laughs> That and and then there's other there's other Jaws sequences um, or references in this, um, but that, that just kind of shows that this movie is very indebted to the monster movies that that came before it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I have a question I want to pose to you guys, and maybe it's kind of obvious from like what we've been saying this whole time, but I don't know. It, it's curious to me. Why do you think people hate and hated this movie? Like, what are some of the reasons that you, I have? Because I have reasons of my own. <laughs> I certainly see why. I think it, for me, it boils down to the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think that, I don't know. There, it's, it just the tone feels weird. Like it feel. I, I go back to the chewing gum scene. I feel like that's like a like a a metaphor for Roland Emmerich's just like appropriation of like American. Americanisms, uh-huh. 
that don't feel natural where it's just like mm, <laughs> leave the talking to me like yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're not quite you don't quite know what it means to like be naturalistically american um and when you try it just feels off and that's kind of what this movie is to me is just like it doesn't feel natural mm -hmm. it feels like someone someone that's not from this country wrote it yeah and directed it oh well, dean devlin is american i mean what's his excuse <laughs> i mean Didn't... his name's dean devlin a paycheck doesn't, doesn't yeah. like... <laughs> um here's uh here's another nugget from the wikipedia that kind of leads into this yeah. um answer that, ju that just shows like how kind of wrong-headed their approach was <laughs> um and this is from the uh guy who did the character design who do you know the last name of the guy who did the character it's design Totopolis, to topolis right? to topolis um, jason topolis or something uh so, something yeah. like that so he explained his design specifically of godzilla's chin did you did you, did you read this in there <laughs> it's ringing a bell uh godzilla's chin inspired by disney's the jungle book yes uh, quote, uh, one of the inspirations was a character I loved as a kid, the tiger in Jungle Book, Sher Khan. He had this great chin thing, and I always loved it. He looked scary, evil, but you respected him. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just want to point out that Godzilla's chin in this movie is very remarkable. <laughs> and uh, once I read this quote, I was like, it exactly reminds me of that tiger yeah. from the Jungle Book. Um, but this is the type of thing that is just so weird and strange and so unique, mm -hmm. you know, this is like reminding me of like George Lucas's, you know, take on things yes. <laughs> and how it's so unique and how that's very attractive to some people, but very off-putting to others. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's the thing. I think something that I've come to realize in my years uh, showering affection on this film is that there's a weird heart beating inside and it's going to call out to other weird hearts, right? Like the thing that you say about like doesn't feel natural, natural to Americans, like that's true. But maybe I don't feel like a natural American. <laughs> At least when it comes to watching these kinds of movies. Like I wanna see something weirder. I and, think And this movie delivers the weird, yeah. For sure. And I think also a big reason why this movie was disliked was people didn't know what to make of Godzilla it, itself. Like he's not a hero he's not a villain he's just an animal and people are like i what who am i supposed to hate mm -hmm. who am i supposed who to am love? i rooting for yeah here? who am i rooting for here um, and you don't want to root for matthew broderick because he's a huge fucking nerd yeah exactly it's <laughs> so like the, the people who are are just going to see an action movie are like this fucking nerd and the people who are going to see a godzilla movie are like this godzilla is an a, a dumb animal like <laughs> which is yes which is the point so so it it alienating your two core exactly. audiences immediately, <laughs> plus the fact that I think a lot of people would go into this knowing what Independence Day is like, and this just feels like, in many ways, a generic, you know, rehash. Yeah, but it's 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 so strange. Yeah, that and 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 just, that I is... mean, just like the basic bones of it. It's like oh, here's a, like teams of people um, working together. The army's involved. Then scientists are involved. There's a little love story angle in the center of it all, you know, and it it has it deals with destruction in multiple locations. It has all the elements. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I I also love how at the beginning it's these like beautiful little um, vignettes 
uh, that end with Godzilla like just killing all of them. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, the scene on the dock with like this like man going out to fish. Like that's a really like beautifully created little yeah. scene. <laughs> like there there's actual like character development and story happening in this like five minute yeah. scene. The fishing this, boats. Going the same under? thing yeah. happens. Yeah. So even before that with the Japanese yeah. boat. But then you're right with the, the with the fishing, fishing boats. boats um, the same thing. It's this like really beautifully created vignette that gets then gets overturned by the introduction of Godzilla. But um, and again, I just attribute that to Roland Emmerich just like being on top of his game and just creating these like really uh, beautiful little scenes and then bringing it back to yeah the monster movie. I'm also just interested because. To, to hear your answers to that question because to me like i know this movie has a lot of flaws but i don't care because to me it's entertaining as fuck <laughs> like this that's ha- yeah so i i would say that's true up, up until a certain point once they get to madison square garden i get kind of bored um uh and i just noticed that in my rewatch yeah um yeah it does lose some steam there i think in more recent rewatches i've actually i've come to like that a little more um but so this movie is like two hours and 20 minutes long. It's so long. But I don't, to me, and I might be in the minority here, but it never feels like it's that long. It's well, like it, and, just, it, it has a real quick pace and it just... And again, I think that's... Uh, the direction. Yeah, yeah. because of Emmerich. Like he's, um, he's like really on his game here in this movie. Especially like, I, I think all three of us are big fans of Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just like watching a um a pro in his prime uh coming off of a movie like independence day yeah um and i i just really like you're right the it, it moves swiftly um he's just this twist and turns the action set pieces so, like which we haven't even done yeah 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 much, I, really I was great. i was just gonna say yeah. um especially for the first half the way that he integrates the cgi and the live action i think is like really spectacular in the second half i think he relies too much on the cgi and it kind of um doesn't turn out as well but the first half is like such a great combination of like practical effects and cgi and i I think he really works around the cgi in really creative ways in the first half i think a later moment that i really liked though is uh when they're running from all the baby godzillas and i think they just like enter a hallway and they're just like crashing in from every angle mm-hmm. and i was like damn this would be a horrifying ride this yeah. would be so <laughs> awesome and i thought it was really effective i was just like this this yeah. part is is amazing I, I i do get bored eventually of of the baby godzillas chasing them around but uh there was like it's just so reminiscent of jurassic park He's yeah like, okay yeah, yeah. I get but it. <laughs> But at the same time, like, I do recognize that he's escalating things really well yep. over the course of yep. that, like, half hour in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Like, he's still like, true. They, developing they, the story. They start, yeah. And they start on the floor, and mm-hmm. they keep going back, back till they're, like, in that broadcast room. Like, mm-hmm. they're holed up. And that's where, if this movie has a heart, that's where it is. Yeah. Um, we and finally it, get a payoff to, like, the whole Audrey and Nick stuff, where they yeah. both see each other in their element, like actually being a success like oh i was wrong about you and and it's and it's in a moment where they're literally saying that like it does, regardless of what happens to us like we're gonna we're okay with sacrificing ourselves if it means saving new york city by extension the world god damn it man you're pointing out like uh this beautiful romantic <laughs> moment in this movie that i've 
just slept through for <laughs> for years now. No, you're right. You're right. It 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 uh, it is pretty well written. Um, yeah, reflecting back on it. At least there's one. Like it, for all of the half acidness that uh, rests upon that subplot with Nick and Audrey. There's some uh, bad stuff in that yeah. subplot. Yeah, you're right. At least there, <laughs> but at least there is that. Like mm-hmm. that, at least they they give us a reason to care um, in the third half or the the, the, the final third of the <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah, this movie's so weird. It has three halves. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what uh, nuclear fallout does. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mutation. <laughs> the worm guy. Oh. <laughs> uh, um so can i also uh, this will be my last comment i can't believe this movie wasted its post credit scene before the credits <laughs> that's how we used to do it <laughs> <laughs> i was like really stunned watching that again i was like um once it started i was like what the, the, this comes at the end yeah. we're supposed to wait for five minutes <laughs> nine minutes to watch this I know. Well, it it kind of fits with the breakneck pacing of this movie. There's not even you, you can't even catch your breath. Like triumph, we we did it. Godzilla won't murder us all. <laughs> like oh shit. Yeah. Um. God damn. Uh. Yeah. Can we get to what were we watching? Well, first, uh, before we do that, do, oh. you, have, do you have any other comments, Cam? First, uh, before we get to that, we do have to throw out some pitches oh i don't i don't want this <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i say that every time we get to this <laughs> this point of the episode uh it's too bad you wrote the song you guys- <laughs> oh they say the day when we i'm in the riches people people remake want to throw me some pitches for guffin you guys, uh, um, you guys have prepared stuff though, so I can hear, I can yeah. hear you guys. Yeah. Then. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go first. Okay. Because I think you have more passion for this movie. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> and uh, I'm excited to see what you do. Okay. So shortly after the original movie, it's discovered that Godzilla had already made nests on other remote islands before coming to New York, mm-hmm. and so an entire race of Godzillas or Zillas. <laughs> Come out of the woodwork. Yes. Initially, the U.S. spearheads an attack to try and snuff out the Zillas before they conquer the world, but it does not go well. An entire city gets demolished due to the humans provoking them, and so eventually they back off, and the Zillas retreat into the sea, where they mostly keep to themselves, maybe eating the occasional boat here and there, but 20 years goes by, over 20 years goes by, with an unspoken treaty between man and Godzilla until one day the Zillas start showing up on, on coasts all around the world and it's very unsettling and very menacing. They're just kind of like emerging in front of all of these major cities and it's just this terrifying global moment. But the U.S. military comes through. They unveil that they've been preparing for this day uh, and they unveil a whole fleet of man-made Human piloted mecha Godzillas. Mm-hmm. Yes. A failsafe in the event that one day the monsters would return and it just becomes an all out kaiju war across the whole world. Godzilla versus humans and their mecha Godzillas. And Matthew Broderick returns as Nick, who's been studying Godzillas in the last two decades and is convinced that they actually come in peace. 
but nobody believes him mm-hmm. because they're so terrifying. And with the help of Jean Reno's character and the French Secret Service, uh, they end up stealing a Mecha Godzilla in order to intervene. Right when a massive army of enemies, a third party comes to Earth. I don't know if it's it can be aliens, it can be some other like race of creatures that have been lying dormant on Earth for centuries. But uh, there's this other third party, and um, Nick realizes that the Godzilla's resurfaced in the first place to warn us, to warn the humans that this other mm-hmm. threat was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Act 3 is humans in their Mecha Godzillas teaming up with the Godzillas to fight off this other threat. And uh, they defeat them, and then the Godzillas go back to the to the seas to live amongst themselves and uh, live peacefully alongside humans. And I call this the Godzilla War. <laughs> Man, that is that is like where I want the current Godzilla series to be headed <laughs> with all these monsters. Like there's just like a, an early warning system. Yeah. Something is going wrong yeah. on the planet. Um, and it's also interesting uh, the way that you started it with like Godzilla had already planted nests. That's yeah. it's actually, I'm going to pick up this novel again. <laughs> That's actually the way this book ends. I yeah. think that so like the the post credit scene that comes before the credits. Um, <laughs> I think that was a very last second edition because this novel, which was supposedly just you know drafted from whatever copy of the script that the author had, um, it ends with them saying that um, people there are rumors that you know they're laid eggs on other islands the conspiracy theory about Gojira stopping off in the Caribbean to lay a few eggs before continuing his trek north uh, strikes me as downright silly because uh, Nick Tatopoulos is the narrator of this book. <laughs> um, but then it's been since like, oh, P.S. I've had, a, I've, ha- I've been having this nightmare where I'm going down this d- dark underground passageway and at the end it's an egg and then it hatches. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, quick, we got to add this page to the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate the humans working with Godzilla aspect. That's very Godzilla the series as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing that strikes me about this movie is that, like, humans keep fucking it up. Mm-hmm. And I just want to see them redeem themselves by, you know, not seeing Godzilla as the threat. Yeah. You know? And, uh, yeah, that's where I would go. I feel like, <laughs> I feel, that's, for as long as we've had Godzilla movies, that's been the, the formula. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting again to think about the newer movies and they might be going in that direction <laughs> actually. All right, so I've got a pitch for you guys. Uh this is kind of written in a little different way. I first I just I want you to close your eyes and imagine that it's May of 2001 and you're settling into your theater seat to watch The Mummy Returns <laughs> when the first trailer starts and this is what it looks like. We open on a busy summer cityscape. Commuters, construction workers, taxis, a group of children splashing around in an open fire hydrant, and some of them in a pool of some kind. But this pool is somehow in the middle of the road. The camera pulls back. They're playing inside the remnants of a giant reptilian footprint. New York City. Audrey Totopoulos reporting for w- for CNN. It's been three years since New York encountered Gojira, and, Maz- and new Madison Square Garden is ready for its grand opening. Meanwhile, the creature's offspring, discovered during construction, continues to be studied by the world's top scientists. A laboratory. Dr. Nick Totopoulos in a bulky safety suit. 
looking into the lar- a large enclosure closure of some kind. We hear a loud roar, and the mighty gust blows a group of technicians like tumbleweeds. A montage, shots, including the continued rebuild of New York City, Chris Cooper as some kind of military brass, a crowd of people looking with mouths agape at some unseen monstrosity, interspersed, voiceover from Nick. We can't forget what's been done. We thought he was the last of his kind. We were wrong. A giant shape blasts out of a rocky mountainside. We only see it briefly from behind. A long tail whips around as the camera pans up the massive scaly back with bony plates until we reach the shoulder area. And bam! Two huge, leathery wings pop out of its torso. People running, screaming, buildings falling, soldiers and pilots scrambling. Chris Cooper's military man. I need a weapon that can take this thing down! Nick. He's an animal! Once we lose his trust, there's no telling what he'll do. More shadows and noise inside the laboratory. Nick, pleading desperately. Philippe, I need your help. Philippe, I need... Qu'est-ce que c'est? Backup. (laughs) Quick shot of the new commandos from his international security firm. More shots of escalating urban carnage. Nick, Audrey, and Animal dodging debris falling from the sky, skidding to a halt when something hurls a huge green fireball just a few yards in front of them. A diner. Nick. He's on the move. Manhattan is marked territory, and he's looking for new turf. Animal. What, like Staten Island? Nick. Bigger. (laughs) The final crescendo. Bright neon signs cut through a mist enveloping a large Japanese city at night. Citizens reacting to a flying menace overhead. More destruction. When? A rumbling from under the water. An enormous bolt swelling exponentially bigger as it approaches land. Part of a reptilian snout emerging from the waves. A nostril. Teeth. One yellow orange eye. Back to the astounded eyewitnesses, including Nick and Audrey, as we hear the familiar roar of Godzilla. Cut to black. On-screen titles. Godzilla 2. Natural Selection. Christmas 2001. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. That would have made that Christmas so much better. (laughs) That's what we needed after (laughs) 9-11. Oh, yeah. Um, here's my dumb pitch. Yep. That, that, that was beautiful. I, 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 I can't follow. Uh, well, I got a little carried away. <laughs> um, I want it. I want it. Um, so, uh, Jean Reno arrives in Paris and has a fabulous cup of coffee. <laughs> he sees news reports about... Theme. <laughs> That's good. Oh, movie. damn it. I can't beat that. He sees news reports about Zilla babies in New York. The Zillas spread and take over all of North America within a month. Jean Reno hides, hides out in South Korea, and Godzilla fights on behalf of North Korea and Kim Jong un and destroys South Korea and eventually the rest of the world. Nice. Godzilla 2. I, I haven't come up with a good subtitle that's, yet. That's all. It's Godzilla 2. The end. <laughs> Um, I, I, can we just call it Zilla? Zilla. Yeah. <laughs> I had a thought, like when I was first thinking about my pitch, um, before I, taking on this gimmick that I just did, uh, that it would involve n- nuclear testing by like a rogue state of some kind, mm-hmm. like North Korea. And I still think that could be a component of it. Like another creature mm-hmm. comes out of this remote part of the world that, yeah, we don't That's know what's good. there. That's good. Yeah. I think that's I think that's a natural way to go. <laughs> um, I'm gonna add that into my pitch. 
Even though it's there, but I'm just gonna make it more explicit. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, those are those are those are some good pitches. Guys. I've been to these pitches. Yes. Well done, all around. <laughs> Great job, pitches. <laughs> That's right. Thank you guys uh hollywood those are our greatest ideas <laughs> those there they are they're there for the taking so if you use them please send the checks to my temporary office at the painted reptile and in fact if you just come out with any godzilla movies in the next like six months or so yeah. i think we deserve credit for those right <laughs> yeah like we we deserve some uh, remuneration exactly yeah. yeah absolutely and when you get that money send it to the painted reptile in tarzana california all right guys it's time to Play ask. a song? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Almost there. Oh, right. We got to ask the question. We got to ask the same question that we ask in every single episode. Okay. What were we watching? What were we watching? I was watching a European B-movie facsimile of an American facsimile of a Japanese concept that seemed to be coasting on autopilot atop the coattails of Jurassic Park, which is ultimately disappointing. But damn, what a soundtrack. <laughs> I can't argue with that last part. <laughs> um, what I was watching is the ap- apotheosis of 90s blockbuster excess and uh, impossible hype. And... To me, an enjoyable piece of commercial art. It's like an ad that you just can't stop watching. <laughs> like a Jasta <laughs> yep. billboard. Yep. <laughs> or a really cool music video where Puff Daddy explodes into a flock of doves. <laughs> um, I was watching... Well, I was watching? <laughs> you can watch her. <laughs> I was watching Emmerich remake a foreign classic in the image of an American blockbuster. That's the goods right there. Um, guys, thank you so much. Thank you, Darren. I loved revisiting... Um, I didn't even mention the soundtrack in my... What were we watching? But I think I made it clear that it was a very important part of my life. I think people understand that <laughs> we like the soundtrack. <laughs> we could have we could have probably done a whole spinoff episode just about the soundtrack. <laughs> what um, were we watching? The album. Yes. <laughs> That's an idea. Yeah. Let's meditate on that. (laughs) Uh, And stay tuned also. After the end, there's more musical treats to come. (laughs) I take it back. (laughs) Do you have anything that you'd like to plug? (laughs) Steven Spielberg. Um, I had I did have the thought that like Spielberg should have directed parts of this movie. Yeah, I was like, man, this would have been such a better. Well, that's what Emmerich was was, doing. Emmerich was doing Spielberg. (laughs) He wishes. Um, There were very they they had it has a jaw shot in this movie. The um, going in and zooming out at the same time. How how or whatever the shot is. Um. What the fuck was I doing? Were you pitching yourself? Do you want to plug anything? Oh, oh, shit. Uh, Yeah, so um, uh, I've been playing some fun um, experimental music with some friends, so I'll uh, I'll pitch that. Um, Wayne I.I.I. 
at, on SoundCloud. I don't know. What, what is that? SoundCloud.Wayne. I, I, I. It's Wayne 3. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't type in the number 3. It's got to be I, I, I. Roman um, numerals, folks. Yes. <laughs> Classy. Um, but we, we, we've also been playing shows around Los Angeles, too. So um, maybe I'll send some of that to your guys' uh, social medias, and, and um, you could, you could uh, retweet that for me. Or, or I don't know what it is on Instagram. Yes, please listen to Wayne. It's legit. <laughs> These guys are for real. If you like listening to uh, droning nonsense for hours at a time, <laughs> please listen to Wayne. Also, Urban Sprawls, Darn Felsky, some of your other <laughs> projects yeah, can also be found. They're all, still, they're all still out there. Um, um, I, I try and put out a, a, one new thing a year, so, and summer's coming up. Nice. It's fant- and it's fantastic. Like, I, I don't think we mentioned this enough during this episode, but you are the, the creator of all the music that you hear <laughs> during our episodes, our theme song and our little jingles. So thank you for those. I feel like I owe you a few more jingles, too. I mean, um, oh, please. Just send me summer's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still have the old emails, too, with all the requests that you guys have made. Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we can dream up something, perhaps. <laughs> There's a lot of directions to take it, but... Um, only one place we ever want to be and that's here with you darren oh. talking about movies love you guys love you too buddy <laughs> um if you love us you can go on to the internet where there is not much love to be found and give us more love at w4 podcast is our twitter handle what were we watching on instagram and facebook Stop Our, Stop hating things, guys. Yeah. Let's love something. Yeah. Let's love what were we watching. Let's love Godzilla 98. <laughs> if you really love us, you can leave a rating and review on your podcatcher. We're on Apple, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you can get your podcasts. And if you would like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. Are you Godzilla yes or Godzilla no? Did this movie fill you with a fiery hatred (laughs) or do you love it because it's goofy like i do (laughs) email us what were we watching at gmail.com and tell us about your favorite tracks from godzilla the soundtrack that is actually very important if you have album (laughs) memories i would love an excuse to talk about it some more (laughs) but if that's all we got guys then i think it's time to say goodbye uh, for Darren Sprawls and Cam Seamer, I'm Eric Ambler. Thanks for listening to What Were We Watching, and until next time. You know what I think of you and your campaign? Thumbs down. Thumbs down. We 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 couldn't see it, listeners, but <laughs> Cam was giving a thumbs down. I just like because Ebert, get it, you guys, yeah. <laughs> and his assistant Gene. <laughs> I'm glad I was not going to bring that up during the show. Oh, I didn't get the assistant gene until you just mentioned exactly. it. Exactly. Right <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the least commendable things. <laughs> and now a special little treat for all you listeners. A Godzilla medley from Darren and the Dubbies.
just for one day We can be heroes You can be mean And I I'll drink all the time Cause we're lovers That is a fact Yes, we're lovers That is that Keep us together We could steal time Just for one day We could be heroes Forever and ever What you say Having trouble trying to sleep. I'm counting sheep but running out. As time ticks by, still I try. No rest for cross tops in my mind. On my own, here we go. Feel like they're gonna bleed Dried up and bulging out my skull My mouth is dry Face is numb Fucked up and spun out in my room On my own, here we go Yeah. Uh huh. 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 Yeah. Fuck my enemies. Fuck my foes. Damn these hoes. Just stepping on my toes. Back up off me. Take your hands off me. Give me room to breathe. I'm not hearing it, I'm not fearing it I'm up to my ears in it, bullshit I'm destructive, some women find that seductive Some say it's lunacy, reluctantly I've been moving on, I ignore you Sorry if I bore you, I'm neglected Don't mean to disrespect you, can't you see? I love you dearly, and that's sincerely But you annoy me, and you can't avoid me I'm here to stay, forever and ever And a day that's never can't let you go, I can't forget it, why you did it, I won't permit it, I won't acquit it, I wanna fight you, I'll fucking bite you, can't stand nobody like you, 
you can't run, you can't hide, no surprise, close your eyes, come with me. Come with me. <laughs> I gotta do it again. <laughs> um. Coming up for you. as good as I'm going to do. Cool. <laughs> <laughs>